Uh, it's good to see everyone. Now we got a, I was a little bit chilly this morning. I thought it was going to be a cold day, but it turned out to be another beautiful San Diego day. I'm grateful. Uh, we've got some visitors. Uh, the good friends, our Wilsons, are here. That'd be Jeff and Vilma and Yakub. I've, I've been calling him Yakub since he was a kid. Jacob. So I'll call him Yakub since he was a kid. Uh, they're from Community Bible Church or Sending Church. And then we have a, another gentleman with a big old cow, cowboy buckle on his pants. <laughs> that would be Jonathan Simmons, our dear Jonathan. We're so glad. Uh, my dear friend Colton is here from Highlands. Woodlands, excuse me, Woodlands, uh, Texas. So we're so glad that everyone is here and we get to hear God's word. Amen. Would you turn with me to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1, retelling truth. Retelling truth is the name of this sermon. And I'm going to pray that God would help us to understand this short text. It will probably be a, short, be a short sermon, but some of you guys say, not a chance. But it might be a short sermon. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so grateful for your kindness and your love. And we are so thankful that we could sing songs like that. How marvelous, how wonderful. And my song shall ever be. Well, Lord, we just pray, Father, that you would do a mighty work in our hearts. That we would be reminded and be reminders of truth, of who holds the fabric of this universe together. God, even those who are at home who are sick watching, I pray, Lord, that your word would still penetrate and encourage. I pray, Father, if there's someone who, does, who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ would be convicted and encouraged to turn to him for the first time. Lord, would you use your word? Would you use the singing? Would you use this sweet fellowship, this time together? How precious is the Lord's day. It's my favorite day. We get to sing of the Savior who died for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Most of my struggles and most of your struggles struggles that cause us distress and worry and stress. Oftentimes, I, I would say it, was, it would be me wrestling with those things. It's not, it's not a lack of knowledge that causes me this distress. That causes you this distress if you are a believer here in Christ. A lot of the things that I teach or preach, you guys have probably heard. But it's not in the lack of knowledge that you've never heard it, but in the forgetfulness of the truth. Now you would sit there and think, say, Angelo, I never forget that truth. I never forget what Christ's done on the cross. And yet I would say, yeah, you would understand that doctrinally. Probably that's probably true. But does it govern your life? Does it 
cause you to have feet that are firm on the ground? Does it give you solid faith? And I know that in my life, much of my wrestling, as I said, is not because of something I don't know, but because of something that I'm not remembering. I'm not remembering. I'm not having Christ before me. That's why the name of this sermon is called Retelling Truth. I just need to hear the story again. Sometimes through this veil of tears, you just need someone to come by you and tell you the story again. Sometimes I'm not keeping in mind about God and His Word. And do you know God knows this? The Israelites were often a people who probably remembered the wrong things and forgot the right things. And we would look at them and say, how could you, Israel? How could you do that? And yet, really, in our own lives as Christians, we see that part of ourselves where we're walking with Christ and it's almost like these trials that come just kind of catch us like a, a rogue wave and we get swept off our feet. And, and the Lord knows this. God knows this. In the Old Testament, the Passover, if you recall, the Passover became an instituted holiday and it reminded the Israelites yearly of the redemption that would come because of the sacrifice of a lamb that was to come. Because as Hebrews says, we desire holiness, we desire righteousness as Christians, but in the mirror of God's word, we see that there is things that are not right. And I got to be reminded, the Passover was also given not just to remind us of the atonement, but of escape, you recall? Escape from Egypt, from slavery, and we know that is a picture of escape from sin and darkness, as Colossians tell us, out of darkness into his marvelous or wonderful light. I need to hear that. I think part of the real importance of the Lord's Day is you always need to hear the gospel. You always need to hear it. Jesus, as he even instituted the church, if you recall, the people of God will lose sight of the preciousness of Christ's sacrifice. You know how precious Christ's sacrifice is on the cross, that he died an atoning sacrifice for my sins. And yet we get far from it when we are distracted with entertainment or with sport or with friends, occupations. You ever think of and wonder why that although it's important that we know the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he still instituted the Lord's Supper and he said, what, do this in remembrance of me because we if we are really honest and we look in the mirror, we forget. Much of our struggles and our fears and our doubts and guilt are compounded and exacerbated 
by forgetting God. We forget him. Isaiah 17.10 says, this is God, Isaiah speaking, for you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. Did they know? Yeah, they knew. They were just didn't keep them in mind. Isaiah 51, 13 says that you have forgotten the Lord your maker who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth that you, you fear continually all day long because of the fury of the oppressor. And so what he's saying is you're so worried about this army that's coming by you have forgotten that God created all of the heavens and the earth. Or Psalm 106, 21 says, they forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. But here's an amazing, amazing resource that God has given his people. And what he has given his people is each other. This is, this is an amazing, amazing point here that one of the ways that God has given the church to be consoled, to be strengthened, is simply by reminding each other of the truth of God as we share life together. You and me, me and you, we're tied together. We're going to go through this life together. There's going to be difficult times. There's going to be a veil of tears. But I'm going to remind you when, my, when your mind gets off of Christ. And you're going to remind me when my mind gets off of Christ. And that's how we're going to make it. Second Peter chapter 1 verses 12 through 15. I don't want you to read it as a as the eyes of, uh, and look at it and say, oh, that's the pastor or that's what Peter does or that's what an apostle does. But that to really internalize and to take it on, this is, this is what I should be doing and this is what I should be, how I should be living. Notice in Second Peter chapter 1 and verses 12 to 15, it says, therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things even, the, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you I consider it right as long as I am in the earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me and I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure you will be able to call these things to mind. And what we see from this text brothers and sisters is that the Lord wants you to be constantly reminding your brothers and sisters of biblical truth. That is what the text is telling. That is what the text, that's why I call this retelling truth, retelling truth. We ought to be in each other's life and ought to be reminding each other of the word of God. When things don't look like God is actually ruling, though the word says he is, we need to be reminding each other. Now you notice the background, if you recall, Peter is talking, first he was talking in uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, he was talking to 
the scattered saints abroad. We remember in Bithynia, we, in all those different parts, and they left, and they were suffering from persecution from without the church, coming in from outside of the church, from unbelievers. And in Second Peter now, Peter is addressing the folks in that church of these false teachers that were coming in and disrupting the faith of some. And so what he does, and he, as if you recall, is he reminds them of the salvation that they have. If you, and he reminds them of the sufficiency of Christ, of what they have. If you recall in uh, chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And so with that, he says now in verse 12, he takes a little bit of a side excursus and he couches it in the gospel and he says, you got to be reminding each other of this. When we hear the gospel, we ought to not be saying, sitting there, oh, that's for Sunday school. No, that's for me right now. I need to know right now. Because I say I'm a Christian and I say I follow God and I say I love him. And I know the inconsistencies in my life. I know what I thought. I know what I said. I know what I acted upon. And it's not right. So I got to hear the gospel again. And so Peter knows that the only thing to establish people in the gospel, already established in the gospel, is to remind them of the gospel. Did you know you have a ministry of reminding I think many Christians, some know, and some do it very well. And other Christians go, you know what? That's for those who can preach. That's for those who can disciple. That's for those, no, brothers and sisters, that's for you. Well, I didn't go to seminary. No, it's for you. I think the temptation may be is... You might be looking at this text and think, oh, this is just for Peter or just for pastors. No, saint, you have a ministry of reminding each other of the truth of God. Because we will all go through the storms one time. And you need to be reminded that the captain holds the wheel. Amen. Spouses to one another, parents to children, children to parents, brother to sister, sister to brother, sister to sister, brother to brother, each member to one another. Some season your brother may need that reminder, another season you will need it, you will need it. Now in reminding one another... The text gives us four principles, gives you four principles that should guide you. I just want to look at the text. Notice it is about reminding about the truth. Notice it's just simply telling the truth and growing more in the same. He says in verse 12, I will always be ready to remind you, even though you already know the truth. To stir, and look at verse 13, to stir you up by way of reminder. Verse 15, so that after my departure, you'll be able to call these things to mind. Boom, 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 boom. He doesn't want Christians who just say, I, I got saved when I was eight. He wants people who 
still look at the word of God, still remind each other of the truth, still continue on. So the first principle is to remind others with earnestness for their care. God can use you. Do not believe the devil. Do not believe your own lies to yourself that you cannot be used in this way. God can use you to care for another person. Remind others with earnestness for their care. Did you know that, yes, it is true, I'm a total big sovereign grace dude. I believe that God has elected us from before the foundation of the world. I believe that he saves us and by his monergistic saving power. If you need to know what that means, we can talk about it later. I believe he will cause us to persevere. I believe all those things, but the way here, especially in this text, that he causes us to persevere, causes us to seek his face, causes us to be sanctified, is another person reminding us. Because I got I to gotta be told. And so, he says, therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things. To always be ready. Here's, here's a, it's an interesting word. It means to be constantly, to be continually, unceasingly, without fail. It means primed and ready to go. When there is a trial, someone wants to talk. Hey, let me give you some help. This is, this is exactly what I do. You could just look at probably any of my Bibles. They're like this, okay? If you're like me and you forget, okay? And you forget where the verses are. This is totally non-high tech, okay? All I do is I write down the topic and I write down the verses right next to it in my Bible. Wow. And all you need is a pen. So, if it's about worry, I write Philippians 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to go over there. If it's about, if it's about guilt, Oh, I go to Psalm 32, Psalm 51. What if someone is overwhelmed with guilt? You ever see that? Where someone comes to a church service and I'm preaching on something and all of a sudden they're just so overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit and God just nails them and they have to confess and they want to turn to Christ. Does that happen? Yes, it does happen. Where do you go? I go to Psalm 32. I go to Psalm 51. Someone's depressed and is sad and is despairing and think it's time to end life. Where do I go? I go to Luke chapter 4 where Jesus is tender to the brokenhearted. Do you see what I'm saying? You get primed and ready to go. If someone wants to talk to you, here's some advice. I would ask them, can I ask a little bit about what the problem is? And then I have, I go in my Bible and I just write down some passages so I'm ready. So I can share some verses. This is what the Bible is saying. Always be ready. And I think part of the problem of, of fear, um, part of the problem of entering into that space, 
You know, there's a lot of folks like, here's problems. Oh, I'm not going in there. I got too many problems of my own. I can't handle that. I can't do it. Or maybe I'm not equipped or I don't know the word of God. It's simply just not looking at the cordis. And you don't have an excuse, brothers and sisters, because we have too many electronic tools nowadays to always be ready. I get my mind and heart ready in prayer and I find the pertinent passages. And I'm ready to remind. Not teach about uh, the differences and in, in doctrines of different churches of transubstantiation, co-substantiation, and, you know, mem- of, of what communion is. Not just to remind them of simply the scriptures. The word to remind means to cause them to think, just bring it before them, to recall to attention, to call to mind. Do you take this ministry of reminding seriously? Here's a question. When was the last time you shared a verse with a friend who's in trial? When was the last time you do that? You did that? Because I tell you, you give up that opportunity if you say, hey, keep your chin up. You'll be okay. You give up that opportunity to share Christ. When was the last time you shared the word of God with an unbeliever whose life just fell apart? Or who, a brother or sister who just buried a loved one? Did you text the struggling saint? Did you write the card, send the email? When was the last time, brothers and sisters, you opened the Bible to your child who was weeping? Or did you just say, clean it up like I said, hurry up. And you missed that opportunity to remind them. You don't need a three-point sermon, just faith and the belief that God's word can comfort someone else's soul because he has comforted yours. It's not time to sharpen your sword when you're already in battle. Sharpen it before. And here's here's something to think about. Maybe you go to your HFG or your crew or your COA. Ask someone how you could pray for them. Ask how you could love on them. Write it down and ask about it. Speak to unbelievers and ask the same question. I, I remember I got to share the gospel simply by saying to someone, can I pray for you? And they're resistant to the gospel. But if I say, can I pray for you? They, they're not resistant. And then when I start praying for them, I give them the gospel anyways. Right? You got to be ready. I was, I was looking at my feed and um, I saw um, Ryan spirit too. He just... He won uh, his section and he's advancing the state. And I just remember his, his dad, Ron Espiritu. Uh, his dad, he went home to be with the Lord. He was 
this big guy who used to play football and wrestled as well. And you don't know if you're going to be ready or not. You, you just, you don't know when those opportunities are. And I was back at CVC, and they had, he and Vicky had high hopes of, of being with IGC. They planted a church in Oahu, and they successfully planted the church, helping with the team. But they had to come home because their parents were sick. I, I think that's what happened. And I remember he's in service, and I, I looked at his face, and there's this uneasiness. This big guy, Ron was big, dude. I mean, he was big. He, there's this sense of uneasiness and of worry, and, and I looked at him, and I just said, Ron, I sat him down during service. I said, Ron, God is not done with you because he felt like God was done with him. You ever get there? You have these high hopes of doing something and it's even a good thing, maybe even serving the Lord and there's just disappointment after disappointment. Things just fall apart. It could be other disappointments, but that, that's a big disappointment. You think God wants you to do something. And now he has to come home. And I said, Ron, God is not done with you. What does the text say? Therefore, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work in the Lord is not in vain. And he was weeping like a baby right there. And we prayed and I walked away, never thought about it. And every time I would go back to CBC, he'd say, Hey, Angelo. That's how he talked. Hey, Angelo, come here. And I came. Of course I did. Because he called me. Right? He goes, Hey, I never forgot what you told me. Still eyes watering. God's not done with me. Because he thought he did, God was done with him. Because the world's problems seem so big. Because you think you're not going to keep going anymore. What does God have planned for me? It doesn't, I know that God is sovereign. I know that the Bible says it, but it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. And I just shared with him a verse. And his mind got right. It wasn't flashy lights. It wasn't any kind of gimmick. It was simply the word of God reminding. That's it? Yes! That's why home group is so important. That's why koa is so important. That's why discipleship is so important. Because you go through life and it gets so difficult. And then you're tempted. You just need someone to remind you that you're not going crazy. That following Christ is worth it. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. I just need someone to tell me that still. 
Oh, servicemen, oh, those in the Marines. Sometimes, man, Ellie was telling me she was in a ship, felt like she's going to lose her mind. Sometimes didn't even see the sun for weeks. Do you know what a package means? Do you? It's like water to a weary soul. I just need to hear it. I need to hear it again. I already know it's true. I just need to hear it. Be eager for it, brothers and sisters. Run to it. Don't run away because it's a problem. Don't run away because it takes time. Run to it. It's an opportunity. But I don't know much scripture. It's okay. Look it up. They'll think you're smart. You just looked it up. That's all you did. Remind others with earnestness for their care because it is the way, one of the ways that God helps people go on. Now it's 11.47 and I don't think I'm going to finish this sermon. Okay, number two. Remind others with kindness for their walks. Okay? Kindness. Now notice he says in verse 12b, he says, Therefore I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them, and have been established in the truth which is present in you. Notice he says, even though you already know them. The word therefore know is in the perfect tense. It means to have known with ongoing results. That's what the perfect tense typically means in the New Testament. Having known, I have, I've perceived it. I'm sure of it. I comprehend it. And notice he says, have been established. That's in the perfect passive, second person plural. All that means is that you were transformed by this truth. And now you are standing in that truth. And so Peter doesn't come in a condescending way. What's your problem? Don't you know you got a trusted God? He doesn't come in a condescending way. What, don't you know your Bible? He doesn't come in that harsh, rude way. What does he come? He comes and he says, You already know this truth. You've already been established. You already know that God created you before. And he has, he has a plan for you. And he's created you to glorify him. And that you've gone your own way with your own devices you have sinned and that has created a separation you already know the whole story that there was a messiah prophesied about in the old testament and he came his name is jesus and he lived the holy life that you couldn't and he died on the cross for your sins you already know this and that you have trusted in him and he has transformed your life you already know this and so he doesn't come with a condescending attitude. He comes there and says, Brother, sister, I'm just, I got to tell you. You know, sometimes when folks are hurting, brothers and sisters, don't run the other way because you're uncomfortable. Don't do it. Run towards. Get in there. Well, that's not me. I, 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 I might say something wrong. The Bible tells us to go. Sometimes it's as easy as texting them a verse. 
Because, or sometimes, you know, so I've had these opportunities where a brother and sister are going through such intense trial, they can't even read. Have you ever been there? You can't even open your Bible anymore. I say, just let me read it for you. Because Angelo's words are not going to be what encourages you. God's word will be. I'm sure of it. Why? Because he's given us, here it is, everything pertaining to life and godliness. And that means he gave us all we need to keep going. Remind others with earnestness for their care. Run to it. Remind others with kindness for their walks. We're not being condescending. We just know that everyone needs a reminder. Remind others in faithfulness to the task. In faithfulness to the task. Notice in verse 13. I consider it right. As long as I'm on this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder. Peter says, I consider right. I think about it. I have thoughts. Predeter- I already determined myself. I've... The word means to lead, to rule, to regard, to guide, to govern, to have dominion over, to think. This is the way I should be living. And it's right. The word means righteous, proper, conforming to the standard or the character of God. This is the way I should be living. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, some of the most cantankerous and selfish people are those who don't think this way. They think about their problems. They don't think how they could help others. They're the ones who says, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Not what can I give to someone to help them. You want to know you have the heart of God or you're starting to get there? You look into the crowd and you see who's hurting, who's alone, who needs to be talked to. That's where you start to get the heart of God. I want to help. I want that person to feel welcome. I want to pray for someone who's hurting. He says, in my earthly dwelling, the word means earthly habitation or dwelling or human body. And then he says, to stir up by the way of reminder. The word there for stir up means to awaken, to stimulate thinking, to rouse up. It's used in John chapter 6, verse 18, when the waters are being stirred in the sea, the ocean. And that kind of reminder is what we need. And so when you put it all together, Peter says this, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to do this. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to do this. I used to do you. Some folks will say, well, I used to do that. I used to write encouraging notes. I used to remind people. I used to be in that ministry. No, Peter says, I'm going to be faithful till the very last day of my life to be a vessel of use to someone and encouragement to someone. Part of the prayers of our family every time we come to service or to home group or every time we meet with the saints is, God, would you use me? Use me to bless someone. 
Use me to be encouraging. Don't make me, I don't want to go and be a sourpuss. I don't want to be, go and be a complaining, grouchy old person because God doesn't use a complaining and grouchy old person. He uses someone who is available and dependable and has been tenderized by the gospel. So God, I know I'm going through my own stuff. I'm going through my own trials, but let me be a blessing to someone else and let me have some verses ready to encourage and to share. Maybe, here's a thought, maybe you would come to Home Fellowship Group ready with a verse to encourage what God has shown you. That would blow people's minds away. And maybe, just maybe, God will multiply the fishes and takes your little, your little verse that you share and feed everyone. Do you think God can do that? Oh, I know He can. Remind others in faithfulness to the task. And lastly, remind others knowing the brevity of life. And here's how it's related, okay? He says in verse 14, Knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent. As also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. Now here, here's a, a significant text. Think about it. He says, I'm going to die. Christ made it known to me. And that's an apostolic different revelation. It's not for us, right? But he's saying, because I know I'm going to die. And the principle relies, remains the same for us. Because I'm going to die and I know my life is short, I'm going to be try to I'm going to try to remind people of the gospel and of God's grace and of his mercy as much as I possibly can. Now, you take that, that is his goal in life, knowing that I'm going to I'm going to die. You got to think about this truth. He doesn't say I'm going to die. I better make sure I have a trip to Santorini and back, right? Do you see what, you see how that works? I know I'm going to die. I better do some parachuting before I come back. All of that stuff is fun, okay? I understand that. But his goal in life is I'm going to be reminding people of the gospel. Now, notice he says, knowing, I am presently knowing, laying aside of my earthly dwelling, and he's using metaphorical language that I'm going to die. The word is imminent, soon, in the near future. Swift, speedy, coming soon. And so in Peter's life, he is looking, he is looking, and he knows where my life is going. And brothers and sisters, we ought to look at life this way. I have a short time, a short time to bless people, a short time to do something for the kingdom, a short time Young people don't think, oh man, I got a lot of time. Don't think that. Wherever we're at, we have a short time to remind people. Psalm 39 verses 4 to 5 says, and you understand it has that same, con- that same kind of f- flavor. He says, Lord, make me to know my end and what the extent of my days. Let me know how transient I am. Behold, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my lifetime is nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. But turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. And it's this text that I confuse Manny with, but it's actually 1 Peter. 1 Peter. And notice, you see the same flavor, the same kind of 
emphasis that Peter says, I've got this one life. I have to give you this. I have to give this message to you. This is the most important thing. And he says in verse 22, since you have an obedience to the truth, purify for yourselves. Basically, you've believed, right? With a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. And he says, you've been born again and of the seed which is perishable and imperishable through the living and enduring word. And so he reminds them here, seated, and you'll see this relationship here that I have to remind you of what God has done and the permanence of God's word in relation to the transience of human life. Because we're all going to be, verse 24, all flesh is like grass, he's saying all of mankind. And all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls. But, in contradiction to that, the word of the Lord endures forever. And so in that same vein of thinking, First Peter takes it, in, Peter takes it that same vein he quotes Isaiah and he takes it in Second Peter and he says, now, I know my life is short. I have to give the word. And that's how we ought to think. I've got a brief opportunity to make Christ known. I have a brief opportunity to help someone who is struggling. Oh, brother and sister, I hope you would take this ministry of reminding that he even says in verse 15, I will also be diligent that any time after my departure you'll be able to call these things to mind. His whole goal is that you be able to remind others after of the truth of the gospel, of the gospel story of Christ, of his salvation, of how to be saved, that he controls the world, that all is in his hands. I recall, I recall um, when we, uh, we have we have friends uh, I think I told this story before Mike and Bessie they had a little girl her name was Leilii and she only lived for a week um, she was in the NICU um, and ICU right and those were just days of tears And all I said, all I said was, Christ is in control and he loves you. Christ is in control and he loves you. Christ is in control and he loves you. And as they, little lady didn't make it, they buried her. And then a few weeks later, they got their stuff packed and they were out to go plant a church. They were looking at us with tears and I just said, Christ is in control and he loves you. And he loves you. Now you talk to them now and they're serving faithfully, discipling folks, loving Christ. They're still full of love. They're not bitter. 
but you need to be reminded sometimes. Be humble enough to understand that. I need to be reminded. Would you remind me? Would you remind me when I have a hard time too? Would you? And would you see your brother and sister who are hurting? Would you remind them too? Would you? Let's promise, okay? Can we promise that? And we can walk this pilgrim path together, being reminded of the glories of Christ. Father, we just thank you for your love. Thank you for your reminder in your word. Thank you that you feed your sheep. Help us to sing. Thank you for telling me the story over and over again. Thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for Jesus. Amen.